We're, we're in week number two of our series, All In, and we've been talking about the importance of, of, of really reconciling unto ourselves and that gut check that we are all in as Christians, as disciples, but also we're all in in God's ministry to serve and to love and to build uh, um, uh, the church of what uh, God is asking us to, not the physical building, but the, the people of God to build a community of faith, and that we're all in and doing that. Last week, I talked about two key scriptures. The first was uh, Peter getting out of the boat and recognizing that once he was uh, willing to take some risk and step out of the safety of the known and the boat and all those things, and we all have boats, that, that he was able to walk on water in a great miracle. I also pointed out a second uh, scripture out of Joshua and realized that uh, just before the people of Israel were allowed to go into the promised land, Joshua basically put it to him and he said, you know, uh, you have to make a choice today. You can, you can uh, go and do your own thing, that's fine, but, but then just go and do that or, or you can, you know, be all in. You can follow God to the very ends of the earth with what he's doing and we need that commitment. And, and I, I parceled that into how how that's how it is in the life of the local church. And I truly believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And I also believe that when the local church is functioning in a healthy way, that uh, great things happen, um, not only in our homes, but in our communities and, and beyond that. So that's really the, the impetus of this series that we're in, is to help us to build upon that and to recognize our part and our importance of being all in with St. Paul United Methodist Church. Well, I want to take a quick survey this morning. How many of you have life figured out? Would you raise your hand? Wow, three people have life figured out. That's great. Can I talk with you after church today? You know, that is a, that is a huge question. And I think that uh, for many of us, um, we don't have life figured out. In fact, I think most of us would say that, that having uh, endearing relationships is very important for us. Whether you're new to this community or you've been around for a while, my guess is that uh, you're still yearning for friendships. You're still yearning for, uh, for deeper relationships. And, and when we get into relationships with people, and I'm not talking about like, you know, love relationships as, as in, you know, long-term commitments and those things. But when we get into relationships with people, I think it's important that, that we we do want to get in relationships with people who, who can come alongside of us at times, right? People who can say to us when we're having a difficult day, hey, it's going to be okay. Life's going to throw you some great turns and twists and all that, but, but you know what? You're going to be all right, and I'm here to help reinforce that. And, and that's the kind of people I think most of us are wanting in our lives, is people that can come along and do that. But sometimes uh, people are just wanting others to just show up and, and just show up and, and remind us of this incredible love that God has for us. You know, uh, the world is, is such a strange place today. And I think uh, if there's ever a time other than today, it is today, that, that, that building endearing relationships and, and civility amongst ourselves in whatever circles of whatever you run in, we have to have greater civility. And the way we do that is we understand that we have differences with each other, that, that we can think in different perspectives and different spectrums. But the main thing is, is that we have the love of God. The love of God is the glue that holds us 
holds us together. You know, I think about how people in our community are looking for restoration. I think about how people in our community are looking for forgiveness or they're looking to uh, somehow understand that maybe their portion in a relationship that was offensive or hurtful, that there's some responsibility to be taken for that. And I really think about the role of the church. And that's why I said earlier that the local church, in my opinion, is the hope of the world. Because I believe that the local church has a purpose in this. And that purpose is, is that we are to aid folks into getting into restorative relationships. We are to aid people to come into the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Now, these aren't people that, that are faceless. These aren't people that are nameless. I mean, the, the kinds of people that we need to be reaching in our community are people that sit next to you in church on Sundays. Maybe you're visiting with us today and this is your first time here. So that person who is their first time here, that's the person I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the moms and dads, and I'm talking about the grandmas and the grandpas, the aunts and the uncles. I'm talking about the husbands and wives, and I'm talking about all people in a sense that, that, that everybody is looking to connect in some special way. You know, these are the people that walk on the treadmills next to you at the gym. These are the people that uh, are griping about the length of the grocery line in the, in the expedited section. You know, these are the same people that, that you go to school with, that you work with. These are people living in your neighborhood. These aren't just people. These are individuals. These are created by God. And God's purpose for us is that we are to share God's love, not just in some uh, cheap grace kind of way or fakey way, but to really love people uh, for, for who they are. So I struggle when I hear that churches are closing. You know, I forget what the national statistic is. It's some horrendous number. Go Google how many churches close uh, each day in the United States. I mean, it's daily. And I, I just really struggle when I hear about that. And, and the only thing that I can conclude when, when churches are closing is that, that the churches that are closing have forgotten or they have lost the purpose of who they are. You know, if you forget who you are, you can't move forward, can you? And so churches, I think, struggle with that, and they get into that complex system. And, and a lot of times churches, especially older churches, as they develop, it becomes a sense of we take care of ourselves, and we do things for ourselves, and we have fun with ourselves, and it's all about everybody who's inside of the building. But really, the building and the church was not created for people who were inside. The church, capital C, was created for the people who were outside. And the church's mission and purpose isn't just to, to be a chaplaincy to care for the needs of the people who are here, but we are called to reach out to others. And we're called to give them a reason based upon the experience of our life of Christ that they may find the light too and that we can lead them into that direction. L listen to what Jesus did. You know, Jesus, especially if we look at, you know, what would Jesus do? Let's look at what did Jesus do? So instead of WWJD, WDJD, what did Jesus do? Jesus went into his community. He didn't stay holed up into a house. He went in his community. He went into some pretty bizarre places. He went into places that, that um, religious people would say, you don't go there. So he went into the neighborhoods that, that we read about, or we're like, you know, I'm not going to go in that neighborhood. He did. And some profound things happened as he began to be in ministry uh, with others. So why did he do that? It's because it mattered. And Jesus was trying to make sure that the people who lived on the fringes, the people who were disenfranchised, the people who didn't know about God, the people who didn't know about love and grace, he wanted to make sure that they could understand and connect. And that's why he called disciples. That's why he brought people together 
for that solitary purpose to spread that good news. So let me, let me remind you what that looked like, and I want to take us into uh, Mark's gospel, first of all, this morning. And let's look at what, uh, what Jesus did. It's, let's go into Mark chapter 1. I'm going to be in verses, um, let's just say, 14 to 20. Okay. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. That's what gospel means, is good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. All right? So now listen to this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. They weren't theologians. They weren't uh, synagogue people. They weren't believers in a sense that Jesus would want them to be at that moment. They were fishermen. They were ordinary people who had a very rugged lifestyle that they lived. So he, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. And listen to this. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. That blows me away. They left their livelihood. They left everything that they knew. They left all the knowledge that they had to follow somebody who came to them and just said, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men and women. Now let's look a little bit further here. Verse 19, when he had gone a little bit farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. So here's more fishermen. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now this is what's bizarre about this story. James and John leave their dad, and in that time in the ancient world, you never left your father. Your father was the connection to the covenant with, with Abraham, to the land and everything. Everything came through the patriarchal system. You know, but they chose to leave and to follow because Jesus said, there's something greater for you to be a part of. Fishing's important, but there's something greater that will change lives. And he invites them to do this. So this story, this story can sound un unfamiliar to a lot of us because what this story says is, is that we uh, today are called to go into our schools. We're called to go into our workplaces. We're called to go into our neighborhoods. We're called to go into our social clubs. We're called to go into our annexes, our retirement communities, wherever it is. And we are called to go into all places, even places that we thought we would never find ourselves in talking to people we never believed we would ever face, Jesus' call to become fishers of men and women demands that we do that. And it's important that we hear that so that others can know through the boldness of our testimony. Now, I'm not talking about whacking somebody over the head with the big King James, but letting them know about the love of God and how it can change their life. Now, I bet some of you are thinking, yeah, Bob, I know that. Okay, what are you doing about it? So we can know something cerebrally, but what are we doing about putting it in action? Like, it's like that debate with Paul and Peter and some others, you know, faith without action, as James says, is dead. So we are called to actually do something about the faith that we confess. Um, as Jesus is in his final days walking to the cross, um, he decides to, to teach a very important lesson using a vine and a branch. 
And we're going to find this one in John's gospel. It's in John um, chapter 14, or chapter 15, I should say. And I'm going to read uh, verses 5 through, well, let's say 5 through 8, okay? So John 15. Uh, listen, this is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now remember, when Jesus is teaching in parables, or in most of the times he's teaching, he's using word pictures. What's a word picture? A word picture is something that you can see with your eyes and in your mind, and you can relate the metaphor exactly. So he's likely in the midst of a of a vine vineyard, and he is pointing this out. So I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me or a woman remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I love that. Without Jesus, we can't do a thing. We might have explosive energy, little bursts, psh, 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 but we can't do it long-term. It it's not sustainable. So he says, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. So he says that if you are not connected to him, sooner or later, your vine, your branches are going to wither up because there's, there's no nourishment to them. Parts of your life are going to just dry up, and it's going to be like a bunch of old limbs being thrown in a fire and burned up. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and, I'll, and it'll be given to you. Now read this last part with me. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now that's really important. So, so when we're bearing fruit, when, when who we are is replicating God's love and presence into others, that's what's called bearing fruit, then we become a joy in the sight of God. And we're called, to, we're called to do just that. We're called to bear fruit. Jesus says, when you, the church, the people of the church, when you produce fruit, then you will prove that you are my disciples. So producing fruit has to be visible in who we are as disciples. And the question becomes, are, are we producing fruit? Are you sharing your story of faith with others? Are you, through your, through your sharing of your story of faith, are you helping and as you pray with them, are they coming to know God? Are they coming to know God as a pardoning God, as a loving God, as a gracious God? Are we as a church in our presence in the community, are we manifesting the grace of God? And however we might want to interpret that in our community, that's what fruit is. So, so a tree or a vine doesn't doesn't produce fruit for itself. So think about a fruit tree. When I was growing up, my, my grandfather ran a, um, uh, he was like a, a foreman in an orange grove, and Patty's parents actually owned a portion of an orange grove. And, and we'd go, and I'd work in the summers, and there would be these big trees, and they were bearing fruit. And, but the point was, if we didn't get there and pick it and do something with that tree, that fruit would ultimately what? Die. It would fall to the ground, and it would be spoiled. So we're to make sure that the fruit that we're producing um, can be harvested. And, and we, the church, don't produce fruit just to harvest it for ourselves. We produce fruit to be given to others. So, so our purpose and our vision um, as a church here at St. Paul is built upon that premise of, of reaching beyond the walls, of reaching out, of bringing restoration uh, to our community. And so what we see is that our commitment to be all in really finds itself and it's seated heavily in one of our initiatives that we adopted about a year ago for our local community. Here it is. We want to introduce Jesus to 20,000 persons in a five-mile radius of our church so that they experience and share him. 
So do you see that? Not just experience, not just, okay, you know Jesus, okay, great, you know Jesus, but to share him. So we want to not only help people to find the love of God through Jesus Christ, but we also want them to replicate that into the life of someone else. Do you see how it's, a, it's producing fruit? It's moving in that direction. Now here's an interesting statistic. In a two to three mile radius of, of our church, we probably have about 24,000 individuals living in that community in a two to three mile radius of this campus who say they have little or no faith affiliation at all. And when we think about the number of churches that are located in a two to three mile radius of this campus, and there's still 24,000-ish people who have no faith affiliation, what does that tell you? That Jesus' words, if the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, is true. And so we as a church need to, to focus on that. And what that means is that we need to journey out into our community. We need to not be afraid to meet new people. We need to be able to greet them and, and help them to find the love of Christ as they come here. And it truly is a wake-up call to the Christian church because the Christian church needs to be more effective in the way in which it shares and, and helps people to see the benefits of what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus says that the way that we accomplish this <clears throat> are through some pretty powerful words. And, and, and we need to be reminded of these words. Here they are. Jesus said to accomplish the kingdom mission that for the St. Paul family, we must do this. We must love the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we take a look at that, that's called the great commandment. So, so when we look at those words, it begs the question, when, when you look at your life and when we look at our life as a church, are we loving God with our whole heart? Are we loving God with all of our mind, with all of our soul? Are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? Are we sharing and opening up? Are we bearing fruit in a sense of that, that people will know that when they are drawn to St. Paul United Methodist Church, that there's something about the purpose of God that is expressed for that. You know, it, it, it makes us ask ourselves the questions, is our heart open to the people of our community? Are we willing to love and accept those who have yet to come to know the grace of Christ? Or do we want to just hang around other believers? Um, do we uh, stay within the safe walls of the church only to connect with those that we know or those that, those that we like or those that think or believe in the ways in which we do? Or are we willing to risk it all? and step out of those boundaries like Peter did last week. And as we're finding Jesus saying, go and into the world. So there's a couple of things that we learned about the vineyard this morning. And uh, I wanna point out a couple of, here's the first piece that we learned about the vineyard. So the vineyard, God is the vine dresser. So he says that, Jesus says that, that the vine dresser will remove any dead branches that's in us and possibly even as a church. So what are the dead branches that are hanging on into your life? What are the things that you're holding on to? What are the things that um, if you could get rid of, your life could start something new in a new direction? What are those things? And that's what the dead branches are. So the vine, the vine dresser says it's time to get rid of those things. You know, as a church, what are the things that, that we're holding on to? What are the things that worked 30 years ago that aren't working today? But for whatever reason, we're just committed because we've always done it. We need to hold on to it, but yet it's become dead wood. So there's a time that comes with that and begs that question. So, you know, you've heard the, the expression, um, the definition of insanity, right? That's doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. Somebody stop me. Over and over, stop, okay, over again, until expecting a different result. 
And that's what happens in, in, our, in our faith life is we get in these repetitious ways where we're just doing things over and over and over and we're expecting our spiritual life and our church life to change. But it's not going to because what we're doing just doesn't work anymore or it's not important. The second way that we find out that we're all in through this parable is Jesus says that the vine dresser, again, God, not only removes the dead things from our lives, but God also prunes us along our faith journey. So a vine or a bush is like that. If you, if you have bushes in your yard, which we're in Florida, and our building codes say you have to have bushes in your yards, we find ourselves, either we do it or we pay somebody to go out and we, we cut stuff up, right? We prune it back. But we also know that in Florida, because of our rains, we also have vines that grow. You know, my backyard is not grass, it's, it's like a vine. And what happens is it, it just it sprouts up and it gets a lot of rain and it just goes like fire and it's, it's covered my whole yard now. And it's covered a bunch of bushes and trees. And vines don't produce fruit, but they sure grow. So on the outside, they look really good and healthy and green, but, but really they have no purpose and they're killing stuff. So what you have to do when you prune is you prune back all of that so that air and so that uh, moisture and, and so that uh, sunlight can all be a part of the effect of helping that plant to grow more healthy so that it does produce fruit. And that's the same way with the church is that we are called to look at things in the life of the church and how we need to prune some of those things so that new life, vibrant life, fruit-bearing life can come, can come to be. You see, the vine, though, is tricky because it, it oftentimes, the reason why it grows so explosively is, is it always takes the easy way. And if you find a vine, it always takes the shortest distance to get to the next thing, and it just starts multiplying from there. Jesus pointing out this um, uh, parable of the vine dresser, he's saying that it's not that way at all because the only way you're going to have growth is when things are hard, when things are difficult. You know, James and Peter both talk about perseverance. They talk about in challenging times where, where our faith is important to hold on to that. But when we hold on to it, it builds something inside of us. It, 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 it checks our raw attitude that makes us more uh, strong in, in the areas in which we find ourselves truly in need. So we find out that the pruning is an important process. Uh, in, in that role. We also find out uh, lastly in this that, that um, the vine dresser also says that it's time for us to make sure that we're attached. We can't become something when we are not attached to the vine. Now, I was thinking a little bit about this and pruning and some other things, and, and some of the statistics that, are, that will amaze us as we look at our surrounding community. Our community has changed over the last 20, 20 or so years. Okay, the average age of a person attending St. Paul United Methodist Church today is 71. The average age of our community within a two to three mile radius around us is 44.3. And they have 2.4, I don't know where the point four comes from, 2.4 children in the household. So what that says is, is that through the years, what we have become, and when we were vibrant in our ministry within our community years ago, our community outside of the walls has changed. It doesn't connect with what's happening inside the building. So we have to make a shift in the way that we think, the way that we plan ministry. We have to know that our community is different. We also recognize in our own statistics that 98% of the people who attend St. Paul United Methodist Church are Caucasian. And yet 42% of, of the population around our church in a two, 
to three-mile radius is Latino, African-American, Asian, um, as well as Island Pacific. So Pacific Islander. So again, what we see in the building doesn't match what's happening out of the building. And Jesus says in order for us to do that, we must become fishers of men and women. Jesus says we must prune back what we think we are and we must get outside of our walls, beyond the walls of the church, and engage the community um, that is around us. So looking at this, we see that there is so much that can happen. And Jesus says that the way that we do this is to be reminded that we are the light of the world. The light of the world. And here's what he says in uh, Matthew's gospel. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. If you know anything about camping, if you take a camping light and you put it on the ground, it only has a limited perspective of light. If you put it up higher, it lights up. All of our Boy Scouts are going, yeah, yeah that's right. It actually casts out greater light. So we are to lift that so that we can shine the light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that day that Jesus walked the shoreline and he said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men and women. That day walking to the cross into Jerusalem, when he gave that parable of the vine and the branches, he was saying that it's time that we see this shift. But it all depends upon our relationship with him. And when we are willing to risk everything so that that message of love, hope, peace, and grace can permeate throughout our entire community and our entire world, then we know that we're being faithful and the fruit that we're bearing will make the difference that we see. So the question becomes, what will you do? Will you be with us and will you be all in with us and will you know that, that, that it's gonna take risk, that, that it's gonna take us to do things differently, that, that we're gonna to have to look boldly beyond the walls of this building, that we cannot just see the identity of St. Paul United Methodist Church in a building. It has to be outside of the building. Are you willing to go on that journey? Are you willing to meet people for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to come along somebody that you don't even know and help them in their time of need to build a community of one? Will you love them with that? Now, I want to believe that you will. I want to believe that, that all of us are ready to make that commitment. So today, I want to lead us through a time of commitment together. So I want to invite you, if you would just close your eyes this morning and uh, use where you are as an altar table and think and imagine yourself there before God. And I want you to be thinking about where we're going in this series and what we've been talking about being all in. And today, I want you to think about the vine and, and the branches, and I want you to think about the calling of the disciples. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men and women. And ask yourself this question, can I be all in for this? Can I be all in to do what God is asking me to do? If you believe you can be all in, then I want you to repeat these words of a commitment, a covenant for us today. Repeat these words if you can be all in. I will allow God to prune and use me. I will focus on others instead of myself. I will celebrate life and be joyful. 
And this one is going to be like really at the gut here. So I want you to think about this because as you pray this, you got to mean it. I will open my heart to meet new people and lead them to the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Here's another one. If you're going to be all in, you have to do this. You have to make this covenant. Repeat with me. I will pray daily for my church. I'll pray for my pastors. I'll pray for our community. And I'll pray for those in our community that I have not yet met. And lastly, if you're all in, would you pray this? I commit myself to be all in at St. Paul United Methodist Church. Amen. Loving God, as we, as we come before you with these words and our commitments today, God, help it to rejuvenate within us the power, the passion, the compassion, the commitment that we have made so long ago. But maybe that commitment today is waning a little bit. Maybe life has just become too um, complicated. Maybe we're just too busy. But God, we can never forget. We can never forget what our mission and our purpose is, that the church is not built for us, that the church is built for those yet to come. And God, help us to know today, at this very moment, that we will be the authors we will be the authors of the faith of the generations yet to come that you have placed that upon us. And we cannot accept that mantle haphazardly, but we must accept it firmly with strength and with passion. And God, as you have heard our words about pruning and in our commitment to be all in, may you just unveil yourself to us. God, we love you. We want to serve you. We know that you're not done with us and we know you're not done with your church. Help revive us. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a praise offering, folks. Come on, give him a praise offering, amen.